The Drum Candy Podcast is brought to you by Drum Factory Direct. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome into episode 13 of season two of the Drum Candy Podcast. This is your host, Mike Dawson, coming to you from Drum Factory Direct in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This week's intro music was provided by Chris Wollison of the band Polybath. This is his from his playthrough of the song Canticome 2. He was kind enough to send us an excerpt of that for the show. And also, we've got a video of him explaining what's going on. So let's let Chris take over here. Hi, I'm Chris from Polymath, and this is the drum playthrough video to Canticum 2, a single from our album Zenith, which is out November the 18th. Um, for this section, we started the writing process with the drums, uh, which is kind of unusual for Polymath. It tends to be that we'll have a complete section uh, written by one of the melody instruments, and then everything else will get put around that. Um, but for this one I had this kind of chaotic uh, linear idea that I wanted to use and it worked as a really nice kind of counterpoint as to the, the jazzy section that had just come before. Um, you can hear it either as a bar of 9-8 and a bar of 11-8 repeating in two bar sections uh, or two five four bars. Um, if you hear it like that then it's kind of the, the downbeat alternates between the first beat of the bar and the upbeat to the next bar each time. Um, it's however kind of makes sense to you, I guess. Uh, the drums and the sax kind of move around that, doing largely their own thing um, rhythmically, uh, and it results in quite a kind of chaotic section, but, but still kind of repetitive and rhythmical. Um, then to kind of switch that up, uh, there's a repeating 9-8 bar um, that comes in the middle of that section where we're all in unison, we're all playing the same thing and that's just to give some emphasis and something to kind of latch on in the craziness. Gear-wise I use mainly minor cymbals um, except for uh, Sabian uh, Ozone over on the right hand side um, along with a kind of cu custom minor stack made up from a bunch of, bunch of other minor cymbals um, just for the kind of trashier tones and emphasis on the right hand side of the kit. The minor hats, I've got the Byzance Dark, um, which I love for keeping the kind of high frequencies under control in the heavier hitting sections, but they're also great and warm for the jazzier, um, more mellow sections as well. For the drums, I've got Yamaha Oak Custom Kit, uh, which has always been really consistent, solid kit for me uh, and then a Wild Max Black on Brass uh, snow drum. This is the drum playthrough for Polymaths Canticum 2. I uh, hope you enjoy it and thanks for watching. Super cool. Thanks, Chris, for submitting that beat and for sharing a little bit about what's going on in that video. If you want to get your beats, your grooves, your songs featured on the show, just send them over to drumcandypodcast at gmail.com. Include a little bit about the gear you're using, anything that's and you know pertinent about what you're playing the style where it's coming from the inspiration yeah again drumcandypodcast at gmail.com send me your beats there's not a whole lot of new stuff to talk about this week i will be at PASIC next week that'll be wednesday afternoon i think i arrive mid-afternoon and i have to leave friday night to get back for a gig on saturday so if you're going to be at PASIC in indianapolis next week Hit me up, let me know, grab me if you see me in the hallway, let's grab a coffee, let's hang out, let's go check out some gear, let's go check out some amazing clinics. Um, it's going to be a really fun time, so I'll see you there in Indianapolis. Hit me up, hit me up with the DM if you're going, and uh, let's meet up. We do still have some grab bags over on drumfactorydirect.com. I'll kind of go through what we got there. There's six of them left. There's some, what we have, we have a grab bag of blemish, slightly out of round 14-inch hoops, which I'm sure you could, you could bend back into round and make them useful. Those are for a great price. We have some snare wires that are slightly blemished, ble blemished, slightly blemished. Um, we have some tom heads, an assortment of tom heads. We have some miscellaneous drum parts. Looks like there's some lugs and and tension rods and things in there. We have some spurs. We have some brackets. So if you're looking for some just miscellaneous parts, these are at blowout prices. They're all slightly blemished. 
but you might find some use for them. That's over on, if you just go to drumfactordirect.com, you'll see the top button under categories says grab bags. If you haven't already, head over to stickshed.com and set up an account and order some sticks or brushes or mallets. We have our DFD practice pads there, an assortment of other things. The format of that website, which is totally responsive and mobile friendly, is going to be also similar to what we use when we launch the new Drum Factor Direct website here soon. That said, I am currently looking for some freelance writers to write some educational content for both of these sites. So for stickshed.com, it'd be more kind of rudimental practice, things you would do on a practice pad. Um, and then for Drum Factor Direct, it's more drum set stuff. It can be gear oriented topics. It can be lessons, licks. Really, it's pretty wide open. So if you have any interest in writing some content, this would be articles with some music notation, possibly photos if it's gear related, video would be amazing. Um, just hit me up. Hit me up at drumcandypodcast at gmail.com, maybe an outline of some ideas, and we'll, uh, we'll get you part of the team. All right, now it's time for part three of our five and a half by 14 wood shell snare drum shootout. These are all eight ply drums, just to remind you, they have eight lugs, single point lugs, they're identical. Uh, the only thing different is the wood that's being used. These are all made by Bucks County Drums. Last week we had maple, birch, and walnut. This week we've got cherry, ash, and oak. So let's check each one out individually. Let's start with cherry. All right, cherry is actually the softest wood in all six that we're checking out. If you look at the Jenka hardness scale, it sits at 950. So you compare that with maple, which was the hardest, which was 1450. So quite a bit softer. Um, the grain you'll see in the video when you look at the drum, the grain is, is a little bit more wide open, but it's not a very porous wood. It's pretty smooth. Um, I think the porosity plays a big role into how much resonance the shell has. And, you know, in addition to everything else, how thick is it, how many plies, how hard is the wood, what's the, the grain structure of the wood. The porosity seems to be the next characteristic and maybe even more important than some of the others. It's a pretty smooth wood with a nice wide grain. So let's take a listen. This is the cherry drum from high down to super low.
And now here is where I felt like the drum sounded best on that particular day. Next up is the oak shell drum. This, it's actually a red oak. There's different types of oak species out there. The drum that, uh, the, the, the wood that Chris used to make this is red oak. The Janko hardness is 1220, which is just slightly softer than the yellow birch was at 1260. And the walnut, it's a little bit harder than the walnut, which was at 1010. So it's right in the middle of the hardness of this batch, but it has a very open grain and a very, it's very porous. What does that translate to in my experience with the drum? Shorter sustain, faster decay, which means less inclination for muffling. You just get a nice big tone and then the heads just kind of die down in a nice smooth but quick way. Let's take a listen, high to low. And here is my favorite tuning on that day on the Red Oak drum. And last but not least, we have Ash. Ash is, I'm looking at all the hardnesses here. It's actually the second hardest wood of the six that we have here to test. It is 1320 on the Janka hardness scale, which is just below maple and above birch. But like oak, it is a very wide open grain and very porous. This is a wood where, where you, you can feel the texture. Oak and, and Ash both had this, where you could feel the texture in the wood itself. Again, it translates into a shorter note. How does it compare to oak? Let's check it out. High to low.
And here is my favorite tuning with the ash drum on that particular day in my studio. Right, that wraps up our close look at these six different five and a half by 14 eight ply wood species drums by bucks county hopefully this helped train your ear to hear some of the differences the subtle differences the drastic differences between them all um, and then hopefully you have your favorites of the bunch all of these drums will be on sale shortly just so you know so you might want to reserve your favorite now if you really like one of them um, hit me up um, but anyway we're going to come back to this and i'm going to do more of a blindfold test to see how much of it is really perceived when you have no idea which drum is being put in front of you. Can you really pick out your favorite amongst these six? Um, so yeah, we'll come back to this and revisit it, but um, hope you enjoyed that. And let's move over to our featured artist. Forks Drum Closet, Nashville's full line drum store. Celebrating its 40th year in business, Forks is independently owned and operated in the heart of Music City. Specializing in drums and percussion, Forks offers great discounts on all major brands and will beat any retailer's advertised price. From new and used equipment, vintage drums, and marching and orchestral instruments, Forks has something for every drummer. They also offer professional rental, repair, and restoration services, as well as drum lessons. Stop by their storefront at 308 Chestnut Street in Nashville, Tennessee, or call 615-383-8343, or go online at ForksDrumCloset.com. All right, let's get back with the great Zach Danziger. This is David Throckmorton interviewing Zach. This is part two. Check it out. D does Kevin, is he involved with any of the, the tech stuff or is, it, is that all you and he's just kind of playing bass? Kevin's involved in some um, some of the writing and some of the conception of like, he knows so much about wrestling. So he's like, hey, we should do a tune with this wrestling. He'll send me a clip. But sure, then, sure. But yeah. the meat and potatoes of the video editing, that's something that like, I, I don't know too many musicians personally who could do this on a level where I'd want to hire them to do it. And even yeah. if you do, then it's still their interpretation and vision of it. it. You know, like I've been looking for years to find somebody who could just take what's in my head and do the work for me. Sure. But I don't know if that's even a, a fair um, wish. So I, I, I just continue yeah. to do it. At some point I'm going to have to relent and be like, I like the way you do something. I'm just going to let you do it. And, um, yeah, you know, I'll be happy because it's just it, too many manpower hours for this. So, is the theme of it being wrestling centric? What you know, is that enough to keep you um, on that path? Like, is there enough to do with wrestling that you're not going to get tired of of wrestling? Being kind of a a guy who likes to keep moving, as, as it seems like you are, you know. Well, I don't know if you've seen some of the food reviews I've been doing <laughs> and stuff like that. I haven't seen the food reviews. I've heard about them though. Okay. Well, you didn't do your you didn't do the most important homework then. Um, forget, <laughs> forget the Wayne Krantz album. That's thirty years old. Uh, I I'm I'm developing the we all we have a we have our fictitious personas in this Wednesday Night Titans. Kevin goes right. under this name Ted Technical, and I'm Sticks Jenkins. Now we all we each have tried to now cultivate a um like you know a persona for those people off the stage you know on the stage and out of the stage and mine was kind of like starting off like i don't look like a wrestler in any way shape or form so i can't be a wrestler so i was going to be a wrestling manager in my brain like like, like uh jimmy mouth of the south heart bobby heenan yeah. you know, those, Cornette, those yeah, yeah. Sure. jim Cornette, yeah. you name it those guys and then but I've always had a love of food. So I was like, I'm going to use that persona as someone who goes and does food reviews, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm now veering into that as well. So that is a whole world that's still tied into the Wednesday night Titans, but also a separate enclave that I can go on another, you know, thing with. But does the food tie into a Wednesday night Titans show or is it totally separate? It can, it sort of does because I have, uh, I sell my own beans at the gig. And that ties right. in with the food. Yeah, I mean, it's not a direct tie-in, but it's a tie-in. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I, we don't try to be too, like, precious about it. It's got to make sense on that level there. But back to the point of, like, 
you know, everything is trying to be, it's not just mindless, you know, when we right. do something, there's some thought behind, like, can we make this make more sense? Can this have a deeper tie and a deeper meaning? And it's not just random stuff, you know? Sure. So, and so th this, this project is kind of the, the sole focus right now. Like this is what you're I would spending all so. your time on. Yeah. Um, so, so edit bunkers kaput. That, that's a nice word. Um, edit bunker is on the back burner. <laughs> yeah. Now, okay. I don't, I, I, don't mean, I don't mean any. No, sure. I don't mean. I, I know. I, I, and I don't want to. Like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful wanna, in any way. Yeah. No, I, I, and I don't want to. I don't want to sound disrespectful and say, "Yep, that's done." Yeah. Nothing's ever done. I don't think. But um, it's not. Uh, it's not in the cards right this minute. Let's put it that way. Okay. Yeah. Um, another thing I want to ask before I forget is like seeing you play with, with Donnie a few years ago, yeah. it was almost like uh, odd seeing you just play the drums <laughs> in a way. Because I got so accustomed to seeing you doing all this stuff, incorporating the electronics and the visuals and the sampling and whatever you want to call it. Um, how do you feel about just going out and playing, being the drummer? Do you still enjoy that in the same way you always did? No. No? No. Uh and but but it's not because it's not a simple no. The the no comes from the fact that I'm very frustrated that I can't give the same amount of attention to my instrument, the drums. Yeah. Because of like like you know, on a typical day, I will say to myself, Man, I haven't okay, so we're going out on the road next week. <sighs> I think it's safe to say, aside from me going to Zildjian and testing some cymbals out. And that's not playing drums, you know what I mean? I have not played a gig where I'm playing since July. So that, it will have been two months of no sure. playing, no nothing. And I think to myself, you get older, you know, things start to hurt and your hands start to, you know, sure. like, I need to just be in shape, right? And so I think to myself, even if I just sat on a drum pad and did a, a double stroke roll 20 minutes a day, I know that would have great implications towards a lot of stuff. But I, you know, and I'm not to say I've even tried doing it, but if I were to try, I know myself really well. A couple of minutes in, I'm like, oh, shit, but the triggering isn't working on that tune right now. Like, yeah. that needs to be, it, you know, it's like you have a fire over there and it's like you don't always, you maybe you you grab your most important belongings first. You, you don't get to, you know, sure you'd like all that other stuff. Yeah. I, I, but like, it's so ridiculous to think that I'm letting the drumming be the last thing to think about. Because when you get on the stage, most people are watching me play the drums. And a lot of people don't even know that I have anything to do with programming the videos. They don't even know I wrote sure. a tune. They just see you're the drummer. And the fact that I can't be comfortable as the primary focus of what someone looks at when they're watching the gig, that that's an afterthought. I can't tell you how many times I show up we start the first tune and I realize the bass drum pedal is disconnected. It's not, it's like not on there. Or oh, I realized yeah. that what was I thinking? I, I can't even hit that Tom. It's like the symbols in the way, but I never checked it because <laughs> all I was yeah. doing was making sure the cables were connected to the triggers and the video and the lights are, you know, aimed at each drum. So when I hit a drum, the light hits the right drum, you know, I'm focused on that, but I'm not focused on, Oh my God, I didn't bring my stick bag on stage. Like seriously. Sure. And yeah. I'm not okay with that. So I'll, I need to get to a place where I can get the lights on the right drums and get the projector correct and get this right and make sure I got the, you know, you know, important people coming down on the guest list that I just spaced. Out, you know what I mean? Get that together. But then also feel like, you know, I, I see my favorite drummers are the ones that seemingly are keeping their their stuff together. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, if yep. they're not warming up before the gig, they're, they're finding a place to shed. You know, like it, the great players play their instrument i think yeah right i mean they, sure. they really they they, they they you know donnie mccallson's has to find a room to warm up and if he doesn't he'll do it in the hotel room he'll, he'll you know maybe annoy a few people but it's like sure that's a, that's how you got to be as an artist on your instrument and i'm not that you know and, and anybody who goes oh man what a monster player or whatever it's like there's frustration in like i'm and it's not just like oh you wouldn't believe how good i really am but it's like in a way i'm not <laughs> able to I'm not seeing my full potential as a drummer. I'm seeing my full potential, uh, hopefully, in the overall artistic package I'm trying Vision. to put out. Yeah, 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 of course. Vision. But that comes first, sadly, and it just really 
a shame when I see drummers get to the gig and their sound check is involved, you know, eighth of an inch turn on the drum key because it's like the, the tom feels slightly loose and the snares sure. are a little and they're playing the snare like a thousand hits to make sure. And I don't even know if my snares are on when I play the first tune. You know what I mean? Like that's just the yeah. headspace I'm in. Yeah, I mean, your head's, it, yeah, there's so much going on. It's just occupying so much of your your mental space. It's, it's I don't envy that, but I envy. I don't either, man. I envy your direction and your your, uh, yeah. you know, the will to do something like that. It's pretty amazing. How, how how do you feel about saying that you're not playing a lot when you are doing these shows? Do you ever feel like, oh shit, I should. I should practice more. I should play more. Or do you feel out of shape when you play? Or do you feel the drumming lacking? Or do you do just I, feel like, you oh, it's when good I'm, enough? When do you mean when I'm on a, a, a gig where I just have to play the drums? No, no. A gig when you're doing this, all the stuff, all the, the the video, the triggering, the writing, the yeah. making sure the guys are on the guest list, making sure that everything's right. When you are actually in the in the moment of performing, do you feel... Do you feel that the drumming is suffering to your standards? Yeah, oh, 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 note that. Yeah, absolutely. Everything I was speaking of is to that point. Uh, crazily yeah. suffering. Now, somewhat because it's like if I if I only would have put that extra washer on, the cymbal wouldn't be like smacking back. And, you know, like little things make a difference, yeah. right? Everything from that. But the, the real one is I'm not on my instrument enough. I'm not playing drums enough. To right. be able to weather those storms as easily. Do you know what I mean? Like when you're really in the flow of your stuff, while you might be very fine tuned into your gear, you can play anything. You know what I mean? If someone said, hey, sure. let's, let's lower the beater halfway down the place. Like, OK, it feels weird, but I I can do that. You know, you're just sure. able to do more with with whatever they throw you when you're not on your game. You need like the wind blowing at the right angle and everything's got to be perfect. <laughs> Yeah, you know, sure. And let alone if you don't have the wind blowing, but also yet you literally have your symbols about to like fall over because you didn't set the tripod base flat enough. You know what I mean? You're yeah. actually truly working against the odds and you're not up on your game as a drummer. So it's like it's twofold and threefold. And you're worried. All I'm doing when I'm playing, sadly, is worried that, you know, the, the gap tape on the trigger on my hi-hat, I see it dangling and coming off. And if it comes off, I can't trigger the the B section where the wrestlers are coming in in real time. I, and I'm, and, and sure. I'm playing in out of fear, out of actual yeah. fright. Uh, and that's just no way to, <laughs> to perform. Yeah. But, but I don't I mean, know this, but, I, you know, I can't, I can't yeah. fix it yet. I mean, I know what the fix yeah. is. The fixes have more time to in a day, but until that happens or have another staff member, have people come in a crew who are making sure that trigger's not about to fall off. There are sure. fixes, but in reality, right now there aren't fixes, so I have to just deal with it. And but it just yeah. it is frustrating. So yes, I, I I suffer from it, and I'm just like, why can't I just? You know what I mean? It's cool though, because your 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 idea and your vision of what this is 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 leading you to spend the time on what needs to be, you know, what what needs to have the time uh, focused on that particular thing. I understand it totally. Um, when you guys, you said you have a tour coming up. Is that in the States or is that it's in the out of the States? We've, we've yet to tour in, in anywhere outside of the States. We've done spot dates outside of the States, but never a tour. It's mainly been uh, domestic. And thing about it, it's funny, like a lot of the gigs I've done over the years, there seems to be a bigger market or more of a following for it in Europe, let's say. A lot of jazz, yeah. as, you, as you well know. Sure. The bizarre thing about wrestling is that it's more popular here than... For sure, Europe, yeah. Let's say. And uh, and I mentioned it uh, in other. Uh, you know what, what's interesting is that using wrestling as the vehicle, you will attract a crowd who maybe has never seen anything I've ever done, and will see anything I ever do in my entire totally. life besides the wrestling gig, and love the gig because it's wrestling. And I was we'll gonna go, actually going to ask about that. Yeah, that's just. Yeah. Um, and do you feel there's a more people getting to know about it because of that? Like, are you building a little bit of a, a, a new following? Yes. Yes, definitely. Are you guys traveling? Um, are you taking all your own? I mean, I know you have all so much electronics, so are you guys in a van with this stuff? Yeah, yeah this, these tours have been large, large van. I bring drums, um, drums, cymbals, triggers. I mean, I, I think 
you know, the percentage of gigs in my entire life outside of New York that I brought my own drums, the percentage yeah. would have to be under 1% in my life. Yeah. The last three years, the percentage has been 80%, you know, with this. Yeah. So it's pretty funny. Uh, and I would rather play my own drums. That's great. You know, so that's sure. That's a good part. But yeah, we bring so much equipment. The drums are the least of it. You know, it's it's projectors and it's backup projectors and it's backup laptops and it's lights, literally light fixtures, because to program those, uh, you can't just substitute. At least I don't know an easy enough way to someone says, use our house lights. Well, those have yeah. DMX numbers that are that are specific to like. DMX number four might control my strobe, but DMX four at the club controls their red balance level. So I can't just yeah. like plug in to their lights. Yeah. I, I can't do this. So I have to bring my own lights. We bring yeah. lights in and then the stands for them. And it just is a lot of stuff and wrestling ring and, 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 and our outfits and, you know, just, sure. It's a, how, it's, long, how long are you guys going to be out on this next run? Oh, uh, oh, a little under two weeks. This one, this will be over before you know it. What what uh what section of the country are you going to be in? Are yeah, you all over I don't the know place? If we're getting close to Pittsburgh. Let me think. Oh, the closest to Pittsburgh is Cleveland. Oh, okay. Which is what a couple hours? Yeah, two two and a half. Send me a text with if you think of it. Just tell me yeah, when that's going to be. On, yeah, it's uh, we're on we're touring with a group called Sungazer, who is amazing, um, and it's a very good pairing double bill, um, and yeah, I, I think the whole show will be. Pretty good. Cleveland is a Beachland Ballroom or something. Okay. One of, the, one of the venues there. I'll, I'll definitely send you a text. I think it's, uh, I don't know, the 14th or so of September, maybe. Okay. Are you, are the shows still relatively short? Like, I mean, are you guys doing 45 or an hour? Or are they getting long? Oh, well, because we are the opener, we're going to be playing 45 to 50, but we normally do an hour and a half. We have two. Oh, hours. really? We have a two hour wow. show now if we need. Wow, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah, it's I have no hours. idea. Yeah, and what's what's kind of interesting is now we're at the point of we used to have the problem of how do we make it longer. Now it's like we have to make this shorter. And it's like oh, we got to lose that tune and the and that one and that one. It's like uh, I guess we do, you know. So we're we're, I mean, definitely we're playing enough of the stuff we want to play, but there's stuff we have to leave out that we wish we didn't just because of the time constraint. Yeah, yeah, I, I had no idea you guys were could do an hour and a half two hours it's, it sounds yeah. like a lot of a lot of work went into that you know yeah and i mean all of it overload. obviously right but sensory overload for the audience too like i've i really do have a very sensitive um perspective and i'm probably on too much to the extreme because i get bored no matter i can hear the greatest thing i've ever heard in my life but i want to leave after 40 minutes i just do i mean and it's yeah. not that it's, i just I, I i've i've had enough of it it's like same with food. You give me the best hamburger I've ever eaten. Maybe I can eat a second one. Can I eat a third, yeah. fourth, and fifth? Yeah, no way. No, yeah. and, and not only that, if they're like, oh, but you haven't tried the best blueberry cobbler ever. I'm like, but I have no room for it. <laughs> sure, no, sure. So it's not like I don't want to hear the other group's music beyond. No, I just have no room for it. You know what I yeah. mean? It's, it's, I, I'm full of it. I've gotten, you know, I've gotten. I, I've, I totally agree. I mean, there's there's been a few groups I've seen where mostly some avant-garde kind of groups will come through town or, or I'll go see them in another city and they'll play 35 minutes and leave. And I'm like, man, I drove two and out two hours to see the show. Like all you have is 35 minutes. Well, I understand that on some, yeah. on some, some level, but I get asked to do all these gigs all the time. And these club owners or people at the venue want us to do a third set. And I'm like, man, do you, do you really think anybody needs a third set? Like the second set might even be too long. You know, I feel like it's, yeah, I agree with you. It's too much is, is a bad thing, for sure. I, I think so. I think, honestly, I think people get hit with a, a bigger impact if you leave them wanting more to some degree, you know? like I totally agree, and, yeah. And it doesn't have to be to an extreme, but I'm saying I'd rather go 10 minutes less than 10 minutes over. You know, I, I'd rather I'd rather not go 30 minutes less than 10 minutes over, but you know what I mean. Um, sure. I'd rather, I, yeah. I'd rather keep it a little short. I'd definitely rather go 15 minutes less than 40 over. You know, like yeah, I agree. Do yeah. that and they keep playing and you're just like, I love yeah, it when enough. I walked in here, but I just want to leave. But I don't want to be rude by leaving because, you yeah. know, you get the wrong impression. But I really wish you would stop. Not because you're I mean, it's phenomenal the whole way out, but I'm full. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I'm full. I agree. Yeah. So, and, I, and people just and, and you're not getting the best. You're not getting the best out of the musicians at some level. Anyway, if I play too much, it's like 
I've kind of said it all, or, or you've heard. Well, right, right. You know, you're just out of out of new stuff. You know. No, that's right. I, I agree, and it's just like you gotta you gotta realize that there hopefully will be a next time to do it again for them. Now, if you get 20 minutes on stage as the opening act, I'm gonna be like, can you give us 30? Come on, I can't do yeah. this in 20 minutes. Yeah. So, but but yeah, I think you you know what I mean. So I, I don't want to keep you too long, man. I appreciate you doing this. I have a few more questions. No, I hope I remember them all. I have a few in my head. So, you know, nobody's buying. You can sell vinyl sometimes. It's hard to sell a CD anymore. With the with the Wednesday Night Titans, do you guys have a bunch of cool merch you guys are doing with that band? Yeah, we have merchandise. Now, the thing is, a lot of people over the years have said, when's the record? When's the this? And my initial reaction is, this is, and to me, an experience. It's not... It is music, totally. of course, but it's not just music. And I want it to be something you come and see. It's not like you just take home the record. Now, that said, we've Kevin and I have thought for a while, like, if we were to do a record, what would it be? And we have absolute, um, we have absolute guidelines in our head to how to make that work. And so, and it yeah. will satisfy those who want the album. But it's not just yeah. like, to me, it diminishes what we're going for. It'd be like, oh, and oh, oh, yeah, we have an album. It's just like it's not throwaway. You know, it has to be, it has to be in its yeah. place, but it has to support the whole product and the vision. You know, you don't go to see Blue Man Group and say, you know, I really want the album. <laughs> Although they sure. did make a, a DVD and stuff, but you know what I mean. And you might like the music when you're there and stuff. They did, they did a, they did a, an, electro, an electro tour that I thought was very cool. But like you, you would understand why they might not put out an album, it, even though it was yeah. music. So totally. And not doing an album I mean, also it sets the stage for like, oh, well, then this is a different sort of project if they're not making an album, you know? Sure. I mean, I've seen some stuff live where I've thought the same thing, like, and, and, and not to make it all drum related, but even seeing like Josh Dion's band where he's singing and playing some keyboards and playing drums. It's like when I saw that band, I just thought like, this is really to see live. You know, if I hear the recording, yes. I don't know, know that he's doing all this stuff at once or or Nate Woods yes. for project. You know, oh, if you definitely. just hear the recording, it's like, man, you're missing out on what's really happening. And I and I thought about that. That's why I asked about the merch and not so much a CD because I figured it's about being there in the room and and seeing the, the the vibe and hearing stuff live and seeing all the all the video. You know, it's pretty pretty amazing that you're doing all that. I mean. Like I said, happy yeah. that I'm just playing drums. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I Although said... Although that's I, probably boring to you, you know? No, it's not that it's boring. It's just that, like, if I can't get to the vision, then that drumming is always going to make me antsy. Like I, like I said, like, even when I'm saying I should practice a little bit, the vision needs to be fulfilled first for me. And then I'll get yeah. around to the drumming after that, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, I, I love drumming and I love watching drummers play and I love the fact that they're committed to, you know, not that all drummers just focus on I mean, We all have things we focus on musically and, and, and life in general. It's not like you're just devoting your yeah. life to the drum, but more so than I am right now. And I can recognize that in people. And I just wish, like, when I say I don't have the time, it's more like I don't have the time because I have to do the other stuff that I need to do for for this project, right. you know, so I sure. can't just sit there and unadulteratedly just get comfortable on the drums, although I want to, you know, and I and I need to, but I yeah. can't right now to the level I, I want to do it. Um, uh, yeah, I, I totally get it. Um, not to get too drum nerdy on you, yeah, go for it. But uh, do you ever pick up a stick traditional grip anymore? Does that yeah. ever happen? You do? I do. I do. Um, and, and it's, and it's as you probably know as well, it's um, unconscious sometimes. It's just like, oh, the stick ended up traditional in my head. I didn't go, now I'm going to do, you know, it, it, it's automatic. And it's definitely for me, I, you know, as much as Bill Stewart and a lot of jazz drummers can play match grip phenomenally. Sure. I, and I don't play a lot of straight ahead anymore or never really thought I, I played a lot of it even when I did. But yeah. But whenever I try to simulate what that might be on some level, I just can't do it match grip. It doesn't, it's just, yeah. it, it, it feels like I'm on another instrument at that point. Like that's sure. just, I cannot do it. Um, now, as far as, cause I used to play a lot with traditional grip. Yeah. That's why I was asking. Yeah. I, again, it's not a conscious decision. It's just like, uh, I just don't see it. You know what I mean? I, I, it just doesn't come to me to do it. it 
Is it a volume thing in some ways? No. Um, it's it's just a visceral feel thing in my... Yeah. You know, and, and I used to go back and forth in the day where I would ask guys like, they were like, oh yeah, when you play traditional grip, you seem to play a, a bit more behind the beat. And when you play yeah. match grip, you're a little... And I was like, really? And, you know, maybe if you listen, is is it, it's a case of glass half full or half empty at this point, you know, which one sure. is it? Um, but I, I might revisit that again, meaning like which way I, I was certain that I was playing better in some ways with, with traditional grip. Yeah. I mean, I think the music I was hearing you a long time ago when you were playing traditional, not, again, not to get too geeky, you were just playing drums and there's so much going on with what you're doing now outside of just the drumming. And and even even seeing you with Donnie's band when you were just playing drums, I was shocked at how how loud the band had gotten. It was cool. I'm not. I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, and I wondered if some of that was just from a strength standpoint because I played so much straight ahead in the last twenty years. My my thing's gone much more acoustic and jazzy. But but I probably play more match script than I do traditional just because I'm a little better that way, you know. But right. I do both. I understand the feeling of. If, if certain feels just, they just want to, the stick wants to go in your hand and lay that way. And Absolutely. It's, 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 it's not a decision, like you said, it just happens. I agree. It know? just happens. And and the thing is, like, I think there's a trend, at least in a lot of the styles. I mean, I, I don't even know what you call fusion drumming anymore. It's evolved into neo-soul slash uh, a lot of different things you know i don't think anyone re refers to this stuff as fusion anymore it's like right, what do you call right. a group like kneebody what do you call a group like snarky puppy i don't know what you title it genre wise anymore right but yeah um it, it's interesting that i think by and large drummers hit a lot lighter than i think they used to back in the day the touch is lighter even for yeah. quote unquote electronic or heavier genres of music you know um you yeah of course you're going to see some guys who are just beating the hell out of the drums but yeah but a lot of guys that i love their sound and touch it's a very light quiet not quiet but lighter right you know um not as like sure. broad strokes and, and big motions and it's more economical yeah. of, of motion and i just it's like muscle memory with anything else you get so used to it's like how one speaks the language. You grow up in the South, you might have a Southern accent. I grew up, I have a bit of a New York accent. Uh, could I learn to say words where you might think I'm from Australia? Yeah, but it would be so much retraining of how I say things and it could happen. But in the heat of yeah. battle, you just go with the way you say something. And it's the same to me with how you play the, the drums. And I wish I could hit a little lighter, but when it's showtime, it's not even adrenaline, it's just muscle memories. The way I know how to speak yeah. the drums, I hit the drums that way. And uh, it's not always the way I, I would like to in the end, but it's just a way that is comfortable and familiar for me, you know? Yeah, I, I, I struggle with that too, is, is sometimes feeling like, I mean, I can play really soft and I love playing soft, but sometimes I feel like, man, do I need to be hitting the snare drum this hard, you know? But then I, I think that always freaks me out is someone will sit in on a gig. Again, I'm getting off topic, but I don't know. Just, just playing brushes or something and then, Sometimes I'm at the drums and I feel like, man, I can't even hear these strokes coming out. They're not, I don't know if that's from hearing loss or what. Right. And then right. Some, someone will sit in and they're, and maybe they're not even a particularly great brush player. They might pick up the brushes and I'm on the, you know, 50 yards away in the room or 30 yards away. And it's like, well, I can hear that so good out here, but it's hard to hear it when I'm at the drums, you know. Sometimes for me, hearing those things reminds you, oh, this this is coming through. I don't have to overplay it, you know. He's the only guy playing the drums. I'm probably going to hear him whether he plays soft or loud. And, and I would agree with you on that. And and I don't know if you've gone through this, but it happens to me a lot if I'm doing studio recordings or, or whatever. Just somehow, and this is adrenaline or whatever, sometimes you're very casual on a run-through on just like, you know, you're feeling your way around a chart or, or just a tune or whatever, and you're playing just pretty nonchalantly just because you're you're saving it for the take, so to speak. Yeah. If you actually go back many times, at least for me, I'll, I'll realize that the sound that I'm getting out of the drums that way sounds so much better than when I yeah. actually did what I thought was like, now the recording light is on and we're playing. 
you know? And yeah. like, I think for me, I, I've proven the fact that I like the way I sound better if I'm not hitting as hard, but it's yeah. just hard for me to do it because all I know is the way I know. And it's, it's going to take more of a retraining so that you're constantly just doing it like that. Sure. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, so if anybody wants to check out you or your projects, yeah. where should they go look for you online to see, to see anything? Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's YouTube and all that stuff, but yeah, there's there yeah, a- but but purposely, certain things seem to be scattered, um, you know, in in one place or another, depending on what it is for for people, right? But I think for me, like as far as like the projects and all the different projects I I try to that I want to present, they'll just be on my Instagram page, you know, like a post, okay which may lead yeah. you to a website or a YouTube link or something like that. But I would go there. Like I'm not as active. I'm posting as much on Facebook, the stuff I'm doing lately. Uh, there's no YouTube presence of our own yet for that. So there's not yeah. any of that of our own that we've sanctioned really that's up on YouTube. It's kind of Instagram or our website, like Wednesday night Titans has stuff. But uh, I mean, that might change in the future, but yeah, if someone was like, what is, what would I like you to see? You know, like you may get a kick yeah. out of, the older videos, maybe, and they there's a ton of stuff, I guess, from yesteryear on YouTube. But the stuff I want people to see of what I'm doing lately is the stuff I'm going to advertise on Instagram. You know, doesn't course, mean that yeah. you might not you you might prefer something I did with some artists 20 years ago on YouTube, some scattered video, and that could be your favorite. But to be quite honest, it's not my favorite, or it's not it's not of my course, favorite right yeah. now. So I don't want to present that right now. So the things that I I would say are indicative of where my head's at. I'm going to be posting on, on my page on Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Well, I hope I can come make the Cleveland show. If I'm not working yeah, on, I'll, I'll make the trick. Um, one more little thing. Just, I just thought of this when you were talking about maybe what someone else's favorite uh, thing of yours isn't your favorite thing. And I heard you talk about this on another interview where you were talking about, you know, I think you were referencing at that point, you had done some more gigs with, with Wayne a few years ago and you said like people tend to come up to me and say they like my old playing or stuff from the old the old Zach or whatever that is yeah. and I get that too people want to hear me play a way I played in this band yeah, 20 days, years right. ago yeah. but then at the same time and I'm not trying to call you on like some BS I, I, I'm just curious your thought is like I remember hearing you say not to bring it back to Dave Weckl but you know you have a particular nostalgic love for this early period of Dave Weckl. So I think even guys like you and I have our favorite periods of people. And it's tough because we keep growing as artists and changing and we want people to to love our new stuff as well as our, our old stuff. I'm not sure if there's a question here. No, but, no, but, but that but you know what I mean? is spot on. I know, I know absolutely what you mean. And I, I've thought about this a lot too. You're not calling BS. You're just saying what, what I'm not liking of somebody is a hypocritical statement because I feel the same about some of my artists. I would say, the yeah, same. I'm not and, saying and, it's and, hypocritical. And I, it's just an odd place to be. It is hypocritical. Yeah. I'll say it, you know, but the thing is yeah. like, it, it, but, but then my brain goes to, but I can prove to those drummers that they were better then. That that's where my yeah. <laughs> mania goes. I can explain yeah. to them why I like them more, and they might sure. go, "Wow, you have a point." It, and people can explain why they like the Wayne Crant stuff more, but then I can counteract and say, "I can play just like that." Of I'm course, to be loose, only a yeah. better version of it. And, and I believe you, you. Like and you yeah. would like it better. You'd be like, "He's playing just like that, only it's in better time and tastier and a better feel." And and yeah. That's what I don't like about that era. That and that, it, you know, and he, and here's the thing. When that album was done, people gave Wayne Krantz blank stares every time he played it for somebody. And when we did gigs, they were like, what is this? Sure. We don't know what to make of this. And so then yeah. we were blank stares. Now that's become like, oh, it's the Wayne Krantz album. Now it's become normal. And groups have built their groups off of the way that trio interacted. You know, I know totally. people have told me yeah. that a lot. So like now that's an accepted form of interaction. So when Wayne's going on his tour in a couple of months, they've already sold out the venues because it's now an accepted and 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 bona fide, credible way of playing. But it wasn't right. what we did. So like sure. from for me is for you to go, oh, I I love when you were doing the crane. What I call bullshit on is you didn't love it when I was doing it. Yeah. You didn't even know well, what it was. Yeah. Or you, you weren't you're even right. alive. So that's yeah. why I go, keep that in mind. 
Sure. You know, and, and even my father used to say to me, like, I never understood what you were doing with like Chuck Loeb and 20 years later, like that's my favorite album. And but then he would say to me, but the stuff that Mr. Barrington, I can't even listen to. I don't even call that music. And my dad's a musician. He's, he was a piano player. Yeah. So even somebody who's a musician, your own father said it took him 20 years to understand how good the Chuck Loeb stuff was. Sure. And I'm just like, Dad, I knew it. The, the minute I did it and, you know, and I'm yeah. moving on to something else. And now you don't, now you think that isn't something. And sadly he's not going to live, didn't live forever. He, you know, he might've been 120 by the time he got around to going, sure. okay, I see that Mr. Barrington's pretty good, you know? Yeah. So, that's just the point uh, I'm making. Though, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. And again, like, I think it makes sense for me to, or any of us to have a period of someone's playing or their output that we like to, like, you know, there's a certain era of, I like the way Vinny played better on Anholes Were Secrets than maybe I like the newest thing I've heard. And that doesn't mean he doesn't still play great. Or there's a certain era of, I like young four-piece Kit Tony better than big yellow Kit Tony. Or I like, uh, yeah. you know, I like Dijonette better a little later in life than super young. It's like, it, it can go a different direction. Some guys become less physical when I like it, or some guys have a more physical approach when you're young, and I like that with certain players. I think it's natural. Um, I think your playing is, from what I've heard, is every bit as strong as it's, as it's ever been, and I hope people will check out the old and the new, just because I think it's it's really valid playing and, 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 and art. Well, thank you. I mean, and I, I just want to get to the point whereby if I can, again, it all has to fit into, can I, can I stomach it conceptually but if i can stomach something conceptually that harkens back to the old days of how i used to play and and find it meaningful for me to play that way i would like to because i think there's a lot of people who a prefer that way of my playing or think that i'm not able to play like that sure instead of a choice to be made that i don't choose to play like that for a reason um and if i can work it in and and make some of these you know fans that used to like what i did you know, happy again, then I'm not trying to, to cause them to not like what I'm doing. I'm just trying to do what I want to be doing. And if they like it, great. If not, I can't help that. Um, but if, if it somehow gets them as well, then, well, then I've done, uh, I've done something better there. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate you talking to me and doing the drum candy podcast and I hope to see you soon, man. And, uh, keep up all the good work, man. You've been a huge influence over the years and I, I definitely appreciate you, man. Well, I appreciate it, and thank you for asking me to do this, man. Of course, man. I hope to see you soon, buddy. Yeah, likewise. Thank you, Zach. Yeah, bye-bye. All right, now here is a short lesson that I put together on how to play the flammed mill rudiment. This week, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite rudiments, the flammed mill. Flammed mill, if you know the room that we studied last week, the Swiss Army triplet, it's the same sticking with an extra single at the end. So you play a Swiss triplet, and then you add an extra tap. So right, right, left, right, one, E, and up. And then it alternates. Left, left, right, left. Right, right, left, right, left, left, right, left. Like the Swiss Army triplet, it has a lot of flow to it. So once you get the muscle memory of how this sticking combination works, it starts to flow really comfortably. It makes it a lot of fun to play, especially if we start messing around with splitting the hands on the kit, all that kind of stuff we'll get to later. But here's, um, here's an exercise for you to try. Again, the flam is on the first note. But like in the previous lessons, let's explore displacing that. So you do on the downbeat in the first measure, one E and a two E and a four E, and add an extra tap. So then now you're on the E, E and a four E and a, and then add an extra tap, one E and a two E and a three E, four E and a, another tap, one E and a two E and a three E and a four E. So each measure, you're going to add one extra tap at the end of the four repeats to then displace the flam de mill starting point by a 16th note. First measure is on the downbeat, second measure on the E, third measure on the and, fourth measure on the uh. And then you'll do a alternating flam to do the whole thing starting with the left. 
All right, let's try with the metronome so you can hear the pulse. This is at 106. One, two, three, four. That's the first part, and then we're just going to play half as many, so two beats of each, and then it alternates hands, two beats of each, and then lastly you're going to do one beat of each. For two measures, so one beat of each, it'll be all with the right, and then the next measure, one beat of each, it'll be all with the left. Hopefully that makes sense. Let's go through the whole exercise. So one measure of each, half a measure of each, one beat of each. One. Two, three, four. Hopefully that makes sense. The concept is pretty easy, but you have to take time to really internalize the shift from the downbeat to the E to the and and the up. Take your time, go slowly. I'm going way faster than would be a beginner tempo, um, but that's, that's kind of performance tempo for me. It's where it starts to get a flow to it around that tempo, but take it as slow as you need to, count it out loud, use a metronome, and then again, the goal is to just improvise. What ends up happening is I think of it more as it's a flam followed by a tap with the same hand and then a series of singles. Maybe it's three, maybe it's four, maybe it's five, maybe it's six. It doesn't matter, but I just think every time I play a flam, I've got to follow it with the flam with the same hand. So if it's a right flam, follow with the right tap. Left flam, follow with the left tap. Then you just improvise 16 note patterns. So it ends up, you have some Swiss triplets in there, you have some flam taps in there, because they all involve a flam followed by a tap with the same hand. We don't have a shop talk segment this week. I'll be getting back over to Hawthorne Drum Shop to film some new stuff soon. But for now, we're going to get to a couple of your listener questions. This first one is from Winter T87. Practice tip for improving hand-to-hand hi-hat and snare with the right hand. It throws me off. Somewhere in the song, every time I miss a backbeat, I need a half a bar to get back in after a fill, etc. Um, yeah, this is a good question. I think um, I definitely struggle with this as well. You're talking about alternating on the hi-hat and having to reach over with the right to play the backbeat versus more often if you play traditional or standard setup with your hands crossed where the left hand is playing the backbeat. My experience, it's 100% because I just haven't practiced that setup where the right hand is hitting the backbeats enough. I mean, I've probably practiced crossed hand backbeats a hundred times more than the other way. Um, what I would do, I mean, this is where um, the new breed by Gary Chester, there's, I mean, that's one of his systems is the, you know, the right hand playing the backbeats. So you just got to practice it a lot more. Um, and also consider where your hi-hat is placed. If it's too far back towards your left shoulder, you're having to do a, like a loopy kind of reach versus if you have it placed a little bit closer to your rack time, a little bit more in front of you, it's definitely a much more natural movement. So maybe consider that your hat might just be in a, in a awkward spot that's too far back to accommodate the cross setup versus having it a little bit out in front. Try that. Other than that, I mean, you just gotta, you just gotta practice it a lot more, play along to records with that position. Um, and the new breed is really, I mean, it's kind of like the one book to have if you don't have it. So check that out. All right, one more question here. This is from Bill Michael. 
When tuning your drums from scratch, which head do you do first, the batter or the rezzo? And is the other head on or off the drum? Is this the same process for snares, toms, and kicks? I'm going to do a whole segment on tuning in the future, but yeah, if I'm starting from scratch with no heads on the drum, I always start with the resonant side, whether that's tom, snare, or bass drum. Um, it's more important on toms because I'd like to get the resonant side really balanced and in the like the medium range of where the drum naturally wants to sit. Then I can just bring the batter head up more for feel, or you know I can I can adjust the batter head. Once that bottom head is really kind of singing nice, it's a lot easier to tune the battery. It just kind of go up until the drum kind of blooms and, and feels nice. Um, and also, usually the squirrely overtones that you might be hearing are coming from the bottom head. So I spend a lot more time on the bottom tom head, getting that balanced, and then the batter head is just feel and taste. Bass drum. I mean, bass drum, I, do, I definitely do the front head first. Um, and I usually get it just above the point of wrinkling to start if it's, you know, like a modern kick drum sound. And then the batter head, I do the same. And then, so once the drum is in the playing position, I don't want to have to be going out and tuning the front head as much. So that's why I do that first. And I can fine tune the feel and the punch and the resonance more from the batter head. Uh, that's why I do the front of the bass drum. Snare drum, same thing. I just do the bottom first because you've got to set the wires and all that. So I get the bottom head tuned pretty high, almost as high as it can go, get the snare wires on, and then I basically never touch the bottom head unless there's a problem and everything else comes from the batter head. Yeah, so I always start with the, the resonant, short answer. If you have any questions you would like answered on the show, shoot them over to drumcandypodcast at gmail.com. I will get to them as soon as possible. For this week's Warehouse Pick of the Week, it's not a specific product, but I don't think we've announced formally that Drum Factory Direct is now carrying Ludwig replacement parts. So if you have an old Ludwig drum that might need some new lugs or a throw-off or something, um, just head over there. I'm looking at it now. We've got most of the throw-offs, and, and what else do we got here? We've got some claws. We've got some bass drum tom holder mounts. We have... You know, a bunch of the Atlas stuff. We've got lock nuts for Ludwig bass drum spurs. We've, you know, rubber feet. We also have the, the logo bass drum decals. So we have a bunch of Ludwig stuff. If you're a Ludwig player, go there and have a look. That is it for this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you for your support. As always, if you could please give us a review and a five-star rating, that would be much appreciated. If any of you are going to PASIC, again, hit me up, let me know. Grab me in the hallway if you see me. I'll be there Wednesday afternoon through Friday, like early evening. I'll probably just split at like 5 p.m. Um, yeah, so we'll see you next week. We're going to let Chris send it off. Have a good one. <laughs>